this episode, I was joined by Alex Roslin and Danny Maskell from Warwickshire Cricket Board. We talked about their roles coaching both at the schools and recreational level as well as in the pathway. We touched on areas such as their approaches to coaching and the philosophy that underpins that, as well as thinking about work-life balance, particularly in a job where what you do counts as your hobby as well. I'd hope that there's plenty here for coaches and indeed anyone else to have to think about, particularly with the idea of how we reflect on processes, having players in uncomfortable zones, but making them want to be there, as well as the use of different tools and strategies to get the best out of who you work with and to get them above all to enjoy the game and flourish. Thank you. Enjoy. Okay, for a lot of people, the sport of cricket, or it could be rugby, it could be football, it could be anything, the opportunity to do the sport or be involved in the sport for a living will be something that we crave and we think would be a dream come true. Today I'm talking to Alex Roslin and Dan Maskell from Warwickshire Cricket Board and we're just going to explore a little bit about the reality of what it is to work within cricket for a living and to see all the great stuff that comes with that but also the challenges and the different levels that they work at from the uh, recreational side of the game as well as the pathways towards the professional sports. So. Just before Christmas, thank you to Alex and Dan for joining me. No problem, mate. No problem. Okay. Now, this uh, we've deliberately tried to make this conversation go on a slightly different uh, trajectory to the one that we did for your own podcast. So if we've got any ardent, avid listeners, they'd be hearing the same voices again. But I think we'll have some things that overlap but are also a little bit uh, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. Okay. We can talk all that boy. Keep it fresh, can't we? That's it. Yeah, we'll give it a bash. Um all right, well the first thing that we, we kinda of chatted about uh in the in the lead up to, to this was what we um what we might consider from from two people such as yourselves who who coach cricket um as a big part of your job what you would regard as being your approach to coaching i'm always fascinated by this topic because when i've done my um coach ed and when i've been involved in bits and bobs of cpd that's something that comes out quite a lot what people would class as their philosophy what's behind their actions as a coach so what would each of you say regarding that what is your approach or your philosophy to coaching as a as a discipline uh, yeah well i'll start pointer so um my 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 roles are quite different so um i do um i look after the schools program here so the championship schools program um so I do a lot of work with with children in schools and staff uh, so teachers uh, and then also our staff going in. So and then obviously I've got I've got a DV side as well. So under fifteen girls DV side. Um, my philosophy is completely different for um, each group that I work with. Um, so from a a school's point of view, I suppose it's trying to improve that child in a holistic way. So not just focusing on if they can play a front foot drive or um, ball over arm. Uh, or take a good catch. It's looking at how we can um, improve them 
in loads of different ways. So um, how they communicate with each other, how they work as a team, um, how they are socially engaged, um, how they are physically active, all those different areas really. Um, and trying to use cricket as a driver um, to engage them and to um, improve on them uh, individually, I suppose. So that's kind of my, my thoughts on it from a school point of view. Um, and then the way I try and tailor those lessons are loads and loads of activity, so lots of um, maximum participation, loads of opportunities for them to have a go. So bowling, catching, throwing, stopping a ball, hitting a ball, all as much and as many goes as they possibly can. Um, obviously, it's got to be fun and exciting. Um, uh, and, yeah, just really uh, hit. It's obviously got to hit your national cricket criteria, but main main thing for me is just making, making them realise that cricket's not a boring sport. It can be quite exciting. Um, it's got different formats that, that work and I think just trying to uh, give a bit of knowledge and can be is, uh, is, is the whole point of me doing my job really and from a school's point of view. Um, from, a, from a DV point of view, um, I think we've, we obviously want to be the best county so uh, at the age group so we, we do work um, extremely hard to try and Im- improve the girls and improve whoever we're working with on the pathway um, Warwickshire has its own philosophy uh, but my, my own personal thing is I think it's just trying to improve on the one percenters is what I would say we've got a really good group of girls that are um a really, really good standard, um, and it's just trying to improve those one percenters and make them a little bit stronger, a little bit more skill savvy, and making sure that they are really um, at the top of their game when it comes through to the summer. So we, we, we've had three weeks before Christmas already, and I think we've got a either twelve or fourteen week program in the uh, starting on first Sunday in January <laughs> all the way through to April um, so yeah, every Sunday's uh, every Sunday mornings for me um, you want uh, we do get a lot of working for oh, you yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so um, it, it's improving those one percenters and making sure that they, they understand we, I tend to focus a lot on scenario stuff I think of my age group and with the girls having some experience but not lots of experience of playing high-end cricket I think a lot of scenario stuff is uh, is really important we'll do a lot of skill stuff before we uh, before we get into that scenario stuff but they're the, the main kind of things really uh, we, we've obviously had the three weeks before uh, Christmas where we've been focusing on um, some skill-based stuff so really focusing on um, things like hitting the V, playing straight, uh, line and length, stop ball, um, and then also we've looked a little bit at some variation stuff as well, um, and also covered a load of fielding in those sessions as well, because we, we know how important fielding is in, in the game, um, especially women's cricket as well, so um, we focus on those, and then after after Christmas we'll do a bit of technical skill stuff, um, eventually moving into 
of scenario stuff, so a load of scenario nets, uh, making sure that they're, they're really starting to think rather than just run up and bowl and just stand at one end and try and hit the ball, so really getting them to think. Um, and also really starting to, like to challenge as well, so really looking to um, challenge them throughout the whole of the week, ask them loads and loads of questions, um, and just really start and challenge to try and improve those 1% as I spoke about earlier. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. From a basic point of view, there's loads of other bits and pieces we can, we can chuck into the mix as well, but yeah, I think just a little bit of observe and focus on skill stuff to start with and then a load of uh, challenges and questions as, as we go on through the weeks. So that's kind of where I am from a schools and DV point of view. But um, yeah, we'll see. me. Do you want to follow up, Mark, or do you want me to go? You know, that, that's it. I think um, just one thing, Dan... Uh, I think that that's quite interesting to to hear regarding all the way through there being aspects of where players are, are consciously and being reminded that they've got to make decisions and that their thinking processes are really important because from the perspective that I have when we look at, say, me- mental skills and how that fits into a mentally fit player, a mentally healthy player, then in the practice settings it is really important to get them used to having to make decisions under under pressure and and from what you're saying there there's a lot of replication of the the settings the scenarios that are there in the game so that's something interesting from people listening who coach at their club or coach at any level really even in your school stuff there's 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 things there which we have to encourage players to be to be taking ownership of the decisions they make um, all the way through. And then that's where cricket, for me, becomes particularly rewarding because it can be a little bit like a game of chess in some ways, that there's a lot of tactics and a lot of the, a lot of things that you have to work out, a kind of problem-solving aspects to it, rather than just see ball, hit ball. Although, of course, that is the, uh, the, the, the basics of it that maybe we end up complicating sometimes. So I'm sort of contradicting myself to some extent there um alex what's the what's in common or what's different with the way you look at it um in regards to kids coaching like younger guys basic level stuff is very similar to danny because i started under him six years ago seven six years ago i think whatever it was so, um, very similar outlook on it and always kind of making sure that um they're having a good time they want to come back they are enjoying the fact that they get to play cricket and they want to go and play at a club or if we're at a club already they want to get better and win games to the club and get their mates down there and everything with it but I, I work with all the development centre kids here so they're the guys that are trying to get into the county they're just a step below <laughs> it's like the old school district stuff um, and the outlook for so the approach for those guys and the guys that I coach the, the women's women's team and the under 11s is about we want them to, I want them to be uh, hard working cricketers who are quite happy to push their boundaries and put themselves in an uncomfortable zone but then actually we're there to have a good time as well and we're there to make sure that they've enjoyed doing that and they feel supported while doing that and maybe making mistakes or um, or whatever it might be fitness test it might be some tactical sessions like Danny's mentioned and actually making sure that they are working hard enjoying it and actually feeling like they've got something out of it 
if that makes sense. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely, yeah. There was a situation last night where I'm sure people listening have heard all this about you, you trust the process and you praise the process and everything that goes with it, but the there was a kid in the under-11s last night who wasn't really using his feet, so against the spinners he decided to try and run down the wicket and belt them back down the ground in this session. Um, he got out twice doing it in this game, but not once did either of the coaches there say anything negative about it. It was quite a positive kind of, it's a good effort, keep trying that. Uh, well done for making that attempt, that kind of vibe, you know what I mean? So we can push them, but actually say, look, it's okay if you get it wrong, just make sure you keep trying and keep trying and keep trying till we get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really important, I think, whether it be cricket or any work with young people or, for that matter, people of any age, that we should be encouraging people to take take calculated risks like that in 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 safe areas in in sport you know not saying people just be reckless generally in their lives but making people think about what works and what doesn't and i would say from my experience of working with with young people in education as as well as sport that that the example that you've used if that player is told that oh he's you know this is rubbish because he's he's got out he should have uh, stayed around his crease a little bit more not not run down the wicket etc etc then that might be an option which could be worked on which he's he or she's just going to disregard whereas encouraging the idea of it and maybe some of the the questioning to say around what what went well what what went not so good and what they can work on is something i reckon everyone can take on board you mentioned the the idea that you want players to be doing things that make them a bit uncomfortable that that aren't regular practices to them um and make them want to be in that um what kind of things are, are done to embed that in the sessions um so i, I guess i can link it with an example from the weekend just gone in that we had a there was a women's session where they were they were working with one of the thin bats i don't know if you if you know them, it's literally kind of the middle of the bat, and that's it. Yeah. Um, working against the machine, and they're trying to trying to hit straight down the ground, or trying to find a way of scoring because it's T Twenty based session. Um, so they started off trying to do all the normal stuff and hitting down the ground, and then they I just floated the question to a couple of them about trying to ramp sweep and get it over their head and kind of get it over to third man and um, and whatnot. A few of them were really keen to do it because they kind of were a little bit more. Um, okay with, with getting it wrong whereas some of them were a bit more actually I don't want to I don't want to do that one because it could get hit and one and two because it could get out so it's trying to just slowly edge them into actually it doesn't matter if you get out because we're training it doesn't matter if you hit yourself with the ball because it won't hurt for very long um, um, and one of the players she wasn't going to do it first ball that she did do it she hit it into her own helmet and immediately looked looked down and just started laughing and then you kind of like right okay she gets it now, she can crack on with it. Uh, and she was brilliant after that. So it's that mindset of um, that it's okay and you will get it wrong, but, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, I can't think of any other examples how we do that, but you know, I'd always encourage players to, um, whether it be verbally or whether it's just by being there and not saying anything if they get out or not saying if they're in a misfield or, or we're trying to spin 
something positive on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, um, no, that's a, I like that example from you from the the ramp stuff. Um, and I think what can happen is people have philosophies or they talk about elements like a growth mindset or a way of approaching it but then when they get down to the the reality of being in the context it can quite easily be lost for slipping into the things that are comfortable I think of uh, the typical aspect of winter training in a lot of places where it's very just net focused and if it is just people wandering up and bowling and then playing shots like it's the last ball of the innings every ball it it lacks a bit of meaning whereas just making people focus on a particular scenario or skill can make that more rewarding and when we think about big thing that there which both of you have mentioned that you just want people to in to enjoy it even if people are doing this sort of thing attempting to do it for a living or doing it for a living it is still something which is recreation and is meant to be to be fun based on that how do you deal with the the type of player who is there regularly is very engaged but seems to struggle to enjoy it and puts a lot of pressure on themselves i'm sure we can all think of of examples of individuals how do you try and find a way around getting them to enjoy it more rather than just being obsessed with the outcomes yeah i think that comes down to i mean i don't know whether danny agrees or not but it comes down to getting to know the player and getting to know why they might put pressure on them is it them that's putting pressure on them or is it maybe people watching from the balcony that are putting pressure on them or are they in their head they want to be an England cricketer in eight years or however long is it that is it something that's going on at school is it something that it could be anything so you've got to get I, I would say get to know them get to know why they would be like that and then try and figure it out in your head or with the other coaches or with the group even how you can fit that player into the sessions instead of it being like well they've got to mould in Mm. Like they've, they've got to conform with what we're doing actually can you build the session around everyone individually getting something out of it yeah I mean I, I totally agree you've got to know your players and you've got to also set the right environment as well for them to, to flourish and learn and I think once you once you start and get that mix right then I think that they're really going to start and take off and really really progress with what they're what they want to learn and I think it, the, the only other thing for me is open honest conversation and, and questions and be quite honest and with your players and then you'll get a lot back a lot of information back just from questions that um, are really that just a question is such an important tool it's going to really help you to, to figure out your your players and once you know them you can start and tailor the environment and your session to to hit what you're after really um, so yeah no, I agree with Alex totally you've got to know your players mm. got to know your players I think it comes down to as well is if you for example with the older age groups so with the 15s and, and the women's side you kind of respect them and treat them as humans anyway you don't just a little bit I'm not saying you don't treat under 11s like humans but you, you kind of have to tell them a bit more Whereas with the women and the 15s, they're a bit older, they kind of know, know, uh, they know the situation, they know what they need to be doing, but you've got to have more honest conversations and actually the 15s might be going through exams or something. I think yeah. they probably are this year, aren't they? So there's going to be pressure there. Yeah. There's going to be pressure with the women. Might There's contracts up for grabs and there's 
professional sport now looming, so can they make the jump into that? Like putting themselves under pressure there. Yeah, good. And I I like uh, the the theme that has developed here around the the idea of questions because the questions aren't just there for the the players to answer. They also give the coach or the mentor or whoever is asking them. Um, quite a degree of, of vulnerability really because when you ask a question sometimes you kind of know what the answer is going to be but you could get an answer that challenges what you think works and it's it's opening that up to players saying actually the way that you've approached this doesn't quite work for me or or it doesn't have a benefit to to us as a, as a group so it's it's really interesting to hear people who are working on this day to day putting themselves out there to be to have their um, their objectives kind of scrutinised, I guess. How do you deal with feedback which might challenge and counter what you think is is best and works for the for the group or the team? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always it's always difficult. I think it depends on your personality. To be honest, um, I certainly think our, my personality has changed from a coaching point of view, and it comes back to challenge. And I think the, the big thing for me. And this is supposed to be driven into me from coach development is having that time to evaluate and reflect um, afterwards and just think about what you did, what you did well, what you didn't do so well, what you can improve on. Um, and also giving the, the players the opportunity to do that as well, um, I think is really important. Um, so, yeah, a lot of reflection and a lot of, okay, um, not afraid to say, look, Okay, I've made a bit of a mistake here, or yeah, I possibly don't agree with it, uh, but we, we might go with it. Um, so it's certainly reflection. The other thing is, is use your coaching team wisely. So if you've got someone who is uh, um, struggling maybe with a bowling action or you think might be at risk of injury, then don't make that decision straight away. Use your, use your observation and analyse and then speak to a specialist, get get some support from those coaching staff who are absolutely nailed on in their area. Um, and don't be afraid to say, look, I, I'm not going to give you an answer now. I'll, I'll go away and think about it and I'll come back and give you my opinion. But I might try and seek some further advice from some other people who are specialists in, in their area. And I think if you're not afraid to do that as coaches, um, then I think I think I think it's so important. We we see a hell of a lot of coaching happening in the indoor centre that I think coaches think that they're being paid if they are being paid and a lot of volunteers, but they think their main job is to make a difference every session and to change something every session. Whereas actually I don't think that that's necessary. I think it's a case of continual improvement and sustaining that player to continue to develop. Um, very rarely we make big changes in what we do we just try and improve and increase those those one percenters again so, so I think it's just having the right kind of um, I suppose it comes down to philosophy again doesn't it having your right kind of philosophy and what you need to do to as a coach what, what are your kind of non-negotiables what are your experiences that you're after so um, that'd, be, that'd be the way that I'd go about it yeah, yeah. it's quite challenging at times it's tough yeah I think comes down to accepting that you're going to get it wrong then, yeah. and that you, you could get it wrong and players will have a different thought process with you whereas coaches may think differently of how you're doing things but it's that trusting 
yourself that you thought about it and planned it enough. And then still, if they still think that, then you've got to work with them and think about how you can um, improve it. But it's actually funny when you mentioned about it in the, using the coaching team. Mm. Is I heard an interview from Jurgen Klopp the other day, which is about um, his view of leadership. I got the words wrong to you the other day, actually. Can't remember what it was. Is you don't have to always be the first one in and last one out. But I kind of got off tangent here, but it's coming. It's coming back to something. Right? Oh, if you don't have to be the first one in, last one out, but you can't always be the last one in and the first one out as a leader. And then um, linking it back to the people that work around him, he almost wants them to be experts in things that he's not an expert in. So those coaching teams, so it might be um, this player reckons they're not getting enough batting against spin, and you know that that's not your forte. However, you've got somebody who is an excellent player of spin bowling in their time, and they go, right, okay, actually, you go and lead this session with this player or these people. So it's using those, using everyone, um, using everyone's skills, but not actually just using them for the sake of it. Using them because, okay, I don't have as much knowledge of that as you do. You do that. You lead that, um, which keeps those coaches sweet as well. I think because they're going to get input in the sessions, um, and then I think it links back to players. Of can you give the players a bit of onus on their own sessions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. As you mentioned that, I, I saw that video with, with Klopp the other day and he does come out with some really good instructive ideas of, of philosophies, whether people like Liverpool Football Club or not. He's um, he's very much out there in terms of sharing his philosophy quite openly and that seems to transmit with the way he is with players that it all is quite open. One of the things that we... Um, we probably as, a, as as human beings are most worried about is failure or or a perceived failure one thing that i know a lot of people uh who've who've thought about this area quite a lot and thinking about their mental approaches to things have found quite liberating and i know i've tried this myself is if it is a situation like you, you're teaching a class or you've got a cricket session or even you're just involved with something socially, um, it can be quite liberating to start off and just say, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to get something wrong, but I'm also going to get something right. So let's just see, have a bit of intrigue, how's it going to play out? I know there's going to be things that don't go ideally, so I can later work out what they were and how I could improve them. But there'll also be things that go well and they might surprise you. So whether it's a player or whether it's a coach, that mindset, one to experiment with, I found really, really useful to, to, to get into a situation and get rid of that worry and the burden of thinking, oh, what if something goes wrong? Just say to yourself, honestly, something will go wrong. It hopefully isn't something big and ca- catastrophic, but it might be something smaller that could be used as a really good tool to to then make improvements. So I think the reflection that 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 you've mentioned, I think Dan, you were saying that's a really important part of it. It's something everyone's really got to think about. It's a, it's a essential of good mental health to be able to just reflect whether it's critically or whether it's positively or a mixture of the two, and just see if you do want to make improvements. You are making an area of your life a priority then that reflection is really critical um for it but we're all got time constraints so i'm fascinated by how in your line of work you manage to find a balance between work and life dan you've mentioned that your sundays from the beginning of the year all the way up to 
uh, the season are going to be taken up with work. I'm sure it's the same with you, Alex, that there'll be some fairly unsociable hours that are being kept in what you do. What are your your mechanisms to maintain a balance between your work and your life? Uh, mine is uh, flowers every Friday for the fiancé, so um, no, uh, no, you're right, mate. It is, um, it, it, it is challenging. I'm quite, I think I pride myself on being quite organised and trying to plan, so... Um, I know, yeah, everyone, everyone takes something that seems to work in my world, so, um, yeah, I try and just make sure I know exactly where I need to be, and just ensure that I plan enough time into, into family life, I suppose, so, um, yeah, it's, um, it is challenging, I think, in, in my world of cricket board, it is, and social hours at times, and, um, it, it is challenging, but, um, I absolutely love what I do, so I'm very lucky that I can get up in the morning and want to go to work um, to try and make a difference, I suppose. So um, it is it is nice that I've got that. Um, but the main thing is you've just got to plan, plan your time, in my opinion, and make sure you've got enough time um, to spend with family and friends, but also to make sure you utilise that time um, well with, with family and friends. And I, I'm working on a bit of that at the moment from my, from my own point of view where I seem to not be able to switch off at times and I just need to be able to, to do that so uh, I'm, I'm currently trying to work on that um, whether Kate and Freddie <laughs> agree, I don't know um, but yeah it's uh, it is something that I think is uh, it's so important, you've got to be able to switch off um, and just have some time away from the sport and from the world, the world, I think, and it is something. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking for a couple of uh, days off over Christmas and uh, enjoy enjoy that time with family and friends. Um, so yeah, for me, planning is absolutely massive. Um, and yeah, just enjoy the time at work and enjoy the time away from work. Yeah, D- Dan, I'll just yeah. just butt in there. I think um, when we spoke uh, at. Uh, the the glamorous surroundings of Nuneaton train station, um, the, the other the other month we were talking about I think we used the word driven to, to try to describe how different people approach things and I think you definitely fit into that category that you you you've got things you really want to get out of work and as you say you want to make a difference in terms of switching off. Something that I would say I found quite useful, having a similar approach to, to work and life, is that if you're driven in your, in your workspace, switching off often implies to people that you're going to just completely flop out and not do anything. I find having, even though this sounds really, really uh, odd to some people, I find having a bit of structure in that free time helps me be able to switch off. So if I'm told, oh, you get a couple of hours to sit on the sofa, I'll watch a film, but I won't be watching it. I'll still be thinking about stuff because my mind isn't occupied in another way. But if I say to myself, read this book and make and finish these chapters, it gives me a chance to switch off from what I was thinking of before. But also it plays to that side of my mind, which is quite focused. Now, I don't know whether a psychologist or a psychotherapist might say, no, you need to have some complete switch off time, which I try to get with something like meditation or or yoga. But those little things might be that 
someone like yourself Dan might think well actually I could I could still do something which is fits my personality but is is switching off without maybe thinking it is does that make sense yeah totally totally and yeah I mean the way that the way that I have to, yeah I'm just thinking of the way that I think to time off in a way and switching off is is just a bit of family time but you're right you are always thinking about things and things always pop into your head and I'm forever sending myself emails of something that I've thought of or something that I may have forgotten to do or it's something that's coming up in the future that I think I need to potentially act upon. So, yeah, I think it's um, you're totally right, mate. I think you've, you've, you've nailed, nailed me down there, really, with what that is. Um, I, I would say that, for me, it's all about that. That free time that is away from work is you do, you do have to have a little bit of structure around it and plan what you want to do. I find it very difficult to sit down and sit still. I'm not one of those people that can do that very often. Um, so I always want to be doing something and have something written, written down and ready to go. And I suppose it's just setting a goal, isn't it? And making sure that you absolutely nail that, whether that is like going for a 10 minute walk or um, doing your yoga or Pilates in the morning like Alex does or or whatever, I think it's yeah, making sure you've got a, a plan and a goal in down uh, is is really really important. Yeah, Alex, what's your thoughts? Um, so mine was a bit different, as in, I when I started coaching, it was kind of one of those agreements where you've got to say yes to a lot of things to get more experience and get about a bit. Um, so I found myself doing stuff every night of the week, Saturday, Sunday never really having time to get away from um, get away from work and to be fair like Danny said this is something that I'm constantly trying to work on trying to find the right balance there's arguably times where I've gone too far the other way and maybe maybe not kind of worked as hard as I should but really focusing on trying to get um, you know the mind right and actually make sure that I'm switching off from it but recently he's gone more of I am now saying no to things that would would take up a lot more time if that makes sense. So I'm not doing doing stuff every night. I'm making sure I've got my evenings to. Danny mentioned go and do yoga once a week or whatever it is, and I start on a thing where you, you can actually get out of you just get out of your head for a bit. And even when you're running, like you said, when you're watching a film or sitting on the sofa and emails, you're still thinking. But because you're running, you just kind of lose you. You don't. You're not thinking under pressure, if that makes sense. You're, yeah. just, you're just running, you're just going, and then it just takes me right out of that bubble. Um, but then I can also slob on the sofa for hours, so I'm very good at that. <laughs> so you guys struggle with that. I am excellent at it, so I like that sometimes, just to sit there and... What like, say I struggle at that? Oh, okay. I so, could yeah. be quite easy. I quite enjoy... I guess it's different with a kid, but I quite, I quite enjoy playing some FIFA or watching a movie or catching up on some TV somewhere just to, you know, sit there and time goes by while you're watching something. Um, but it's something that's it's, it's tough, isn't it? Especially in the line of work and you know that the service in a way that we provide is for other people's enjoyment and pleasure. So that is going to be anti-social hours because that's their social hours. Mm. So we almost you almost sacrifice your time for them. Um, but you just got to make sure you get it back, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's crucial. The, the I hadn't really. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of it in the sense that you're 
providing people's hobby and there's their social time at, at the expense of yours but I get the feeling that for both of you it is something which goes beyond just a, a job in the sense that it's what it yeah you know, it pays the bills it takes up a lot of your time but there's something that's that that benefits you broader than just being something you get your, your paycheck for so just to finish off it's a coming back to what we talked about really at the beginning it 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 would be fair to say i hope that your job is also something which is is very closely linked to your your hobby so how would you describe that to people who have work which is quite distinct from it so they they do whatever their job is they get home and their hobbies that they would pursue would be would be pretty different whereas for both of you cricket would be something that you might watch or play in your time off that you get so how does that work in reality okay yeah yeah okay um it's a bit it's a diff, this is a difficult one for me Bonzi, because i i've stopped playing cricket um so before i got a, a job here at the cricket board i really fell out of love with the game really did i was doing a lot of it um, I was playing, playing quite poorly as well through injury and just being rubbish. Um, and I proper fell out of love with it, um, and just had to take a, a little break away. Um, the, the job came up for here, and I was really in two mindsets of really if I wanted to go for it and be involved even more in cricket, um, or just go down a different route. Um, but thankfully, I made the right decision. And to come and, and work here and obviously I, I really enjoy it um, I think you've got to have you've just got to have the right balance and find out find find what what's interests you and what your hobby is and make sure you've got the time to be able to do that otherwise it will start and affect how you, how you think and how you behave and how you enjoy your job and your work and we see it's difficult for, for us we see we see a lot of coaches who do a lot of coaching all of the time, whether that be in schools and then other commitments with county age group cricket or development, development centres. You can certainly tell when they're doing a lot, there's a bit of a, there is an effect on the difference. You can tell the difference, yeah, and it's, it's how you manage that time. We, have, we obviously make it busy during the spring and the summer, and it's how you manage that, not downtime, but that time where it's a little bit quieter. It's just making sure that they... they they've got the opportunity you've got the opportunity just to maybe have have five minutes is what I'm trying to say just have, go off have a go for a walk in the in the park that's over the road from, from where we are or just yeah have five minutes have a morning where you can just chill and do something for yourself listen to a podcast or do whatever you want to do and I think it's yeah it's really managing your time and making sure that you've, you've got something that is a way of you just relaxing, I suppose. Yeah. But was it? What about me? How is it? So I, I play weekends. I well, in the summer I play weekends. As as our season technically starts in, well, for you it starts to start in December. No, because you got trials in November. So you have trials in November. I am lucky enough to to be at a lot of the trials for all the boys program and stuff um, so I technically see my indoor season starting at the end of September when those trials start fortunately I didn't do 
every single one this year. But it would start then, and then you run that six months through till March, and then you get as soon as you get outdoors. Sometimes I feel like I've had a bit of a season already. So it's kind of with all of work and then training myself and indoors, and then you go into playing outside, and you think, wow. And you hit May time, and then all of a sudden you get a bit of energy back because the, the season comes, um, and then you get through it as normal. But then as soon as it hits September, my girlfriend and my mom get an absolute volley, not in a nasty way, but volleyed me saying, I hate the game, I don't want to play it, I don't want anything to do with it. So from now until January, I don't do do... I don't want to hit cricket balls. I don't want to throw cricket balls. I just want to not do it. So a lot of other things come into um, come into play then. But then as soon as it starts to get into the new year, it comes back. But the difficult, I mean, the difficult thing is I'm I want to play for as long as I can. I, I used to be half decent, and that kind of that's kind of getting worse with age. <laughs> but um, it's trying to do that improve yourself as a cricketer like we spoke about and these players and actually taking that into my hobby um, as well as putting it in at work it can be it can be difficult um, but we're all a lot of the people that work in cricket are cricket badgers and nuffies and want to know everything about it and do it all the time so you kind of bring it back to that sometimes it's, I think it's really interesting, interesting because I actually think and this is going to make you sound a little bit I don't know. I actually think my, my hobby is actually a bit of bits and pieces of my job. So I do enjoy coaching and I absolutely love making a difference and hopefully there is a difference being made. But I, I think that is, is my hobby. <laughs> Obviously there's other bits and pieces as well and spending time with family and friends. But I think I'm lucky that my job is something that I really love to do. So yeah, um, yeah it's... Um, it's difficult to manage. Really it's trying to, to manage. trying to get those hobbies and different hobbies and fit them in them into the cycle of the seasons. Yeah. So I like I like travelling, but I can't go travelling in the summer because of work and because of whatever else. So September to December, January is when I'd go away and try and get out of the country for a bit. Um, but then in the summer that obviously stops. So it's trying to find the balance in between the hobbies that you do do and work and fit them into. Um, any social life and whatnot that goes with it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be switched on, haven't you, to to be sensitive to when one thing can become too much, and knowing that you've got to switch switch off, which is applicable to absolutely everyone, and uh, one of the keys to to good mental health, however you define it, is the is having time off, is pu- pressing the pause button, and just giving yourself that chance not to be to be switched on and having expectations placed on you by yourself or indeed others. Gents, there's been a really good conversation. There's lots that I've written down, which I'm going to be thinking about in the rest of the day. So I'll finish off by saying I hope you have a a good Christmas, get a a break at some point now and look forward to chatting with you again uh, in the new year and beyond. You too, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much.